Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... You have a few good apples and you mix some rotten apples with them. Do the rotten ones become good? No, usually the good ones become rotten, so you must be so very, very careful. So what's the principle? Whether you're young or old, you have to ask yourself this. Is this relationship taking me away from Jesus? Is this relationship taking me away from my faith? And if the answer is yes, you're unequally yoked. Have you found you are incompatible with some things in life? Did you know that may be a sign that you are a follower of Jesus? Today, Pastor Jim shows us how certain things in life don't fit with Christianity. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 with part one of his message entitled, Christian Living in the Midst of an Unchristian World. I would like to read to you 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, but just the beginning, which is really the basis for our sermon today. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, an extremely distorted and often debated verse from everything from don't talk to people who don't believe in Jesus to don't wear jeans. I'm amazed at some of the stories I've heard. Verse 17, the Lord speaking, therefore come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is unclean, and I will receive you. Jumping down to chapter 7, verse 1. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, I'm not sure if you know this or not, and you're actually probably going to usually statistics, we think, oh, that number's too high. We're probably going to think this is too low based on where we live, but 92% of American adults own cell phones. Probably significantly higher for American teenagers, but 92% of American adults own cell phones. Two-thirds of American adults own smartphones. And with that, there comes some expressions that we all have in common. I want to highlight one today. It usually begins like this. Ugh. Or Ugh. Oh, no. To some people, it's outright panic. And it goes like this. I forgot my kid. No, worse than that. <laughs> I forgot my charger. <laughs> you know, you're away and you're, ready, you're trying to keep in touch with people. And in your distress, your friend who seems like a superhero at the moment says, dun dun Use my charger. And then to make matters even worse, you go to plug it in and you find it's incompatible with your cell phone and there's no 24-hour emergency cell phone charger store open at the moment. Not yet anyway. <laughs> you know, the same is true for a follower of Jesus. The same is true for the Christian life. Much, not all by any means, please, Sometimes I hear some things that people say as if the whole world is full of these wicked people that are just all out to get us, and that's really not the case. 
The bad guys are bad, but not everybody is. But much, but not all, of what people do in this world, in this life, and how they live, a lot of it is incompatible with the Word of God, which means it's incompatible with what God desires. Let me put it into some Bible language for you. We might say this, worldliness is incompatible with godliness. Worldliness is incompatible with holiness. But how does that affect how a Christian lives in the world? Don't be too quick to answer. How does that influence some of our decisions in who we hang out with and where we go? And so the title of our message today is Christian Living in the Midst of an Unchristian World. Now, to find where we are going to go today, we have to keep referencing back to the letter of 1 Corinthians. We're in 2 Corinthians, and this is the second letter that we have that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in southern Greece that he founded approximately a year ago since he wrote 1 Corinthians. And so it seemed like in that letter, some of the people in the Corinthian church we're visiting some of the temples in Corinth that had false gods and false idols. So they leave their service today at the Corinthian church, and then they'd go see their friends, and their friends would go, well, now you have to come to my church. And you're walking in, and you're like, well, who's that woman there? Oh, that's the temple prostitute. And then afterwards, maybe after the service, and they would have a dinner, and they would say, hey, we're going to pray before the food. And you think, oh, that's great. And they'll say, well, dear Aphrodite, sex goddess of Corinth, we worship you and we bless this food to us. And you're like, I ain't eating that stuff, man. And so people were participating in the idea of, we would say today, maybe being ecumenical, getting along with everybody, and people were celebrating, worshiping Christians worshiping with these people. Now, it doesn't take much of imagination to come conclusion, that's probably not so good for your Christian faith, is it? That's probably not so good at all. Now, we come to 2 Corinthians, and that's why I said earlier we're going to get two weeks out of this verse, because we come to 2 Corinthians, and they are heavily influenced by false teachers and critics of the Apostle Paul and the Word of God. And so... We have to figure out who he's talking about today when he uses the term unbelievers. So this week, we're going to talk more about the people he was talking about in 1 Corinthians, and next week, we'll talk more about the people he's talking about in 2 Corinthians, and you say, well, if it's the same verses I've heard it one week, there'll be two completely different messages, because we're not sure who these people that he's going to talk about being unbelievers actually are. I can tell you this, in the verses before the verse we just read, he's pleading with them. He's saying, I opened up my heart to you, Corinthian church. He's the founder. He's a father in the faith to them. Now, I want you to open up your heart to me, Corinthian church. And remember, when the Bible speaks, God speaks. So if the Bible says, I opened up my heart to you, now open up your heart to me. What is God saying to all of us today? I opened up my heart to you. Now, church, God says, open up your heart to me. So let's look at our verse. Actually, our verse is really only 2 Corinthians 6.14a. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
Now, if you're new to the Christian faith, you wouldn't even consider yourself a Christian. You're just coming to check it out. Your friend invited you to his weird warehouse church. Whatever it is, whatever it is, please understand this. I was not born Pastor Jim, only in God's eyes. I didn't become a Christian convert later in life. And I heard this verse thrown a lot, where you can't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And I immediately thought eggs at a diner, like yolk, eggs. I, I, I had no idea what this would even mean. So if you don't know what this means, that's okay. Picture animals plowing a field, and there's a harness that ties them together. For some of us, like I know nothing about farming. Okay, the Budweiser Clydesdales. Is that a little bit better for you? Oh, yes, I know who they are. Okay, great. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. And so the animals are harnessed together, and they are walking down the field together. The New Jerusalem Bible says this, Do not harness yourself to an uneven team. C.K. Barrett, the great Bible scholar, says this, you must not get into a double harness with unbelievers. Another Bible version says this, stop being in incompatible relationships with unbelievers. So we have to do a little bit of homework here to figure out what in the world he's talking about. He says, don't be unequally yoked. Let's just stop right there. Let's forget about unbelievers for a second. What is he talking about? Well, what he's doing is he's, it's called a mixed citation. And what he's doing is he's putting Bible verses together to make his point from the Old Testament. And he uses old two Old Testament texts here. First is Leviticus 19.19 19, that said, don't breed two kinds of animals with one another. So don't take a dog and a cat and see what you get. Don't do that. So these are nomadic people traveling across the desert. And God is trying to keep some sense of purity in their congregation, and so he's talking to them. He also says, don't mix two types of seeds. So don't try and cross, you know, breed poison ivy and cucumbers or something like that. You might not like what you eat, you know. Getting a rash inside my mouth. Oh, they had the cucumbers, sorry. You didn't do that. Now, one of the favorite of people who don't believe in Jesus or opponents of the Bible, they also said, don't mix fabrics together. So they say, well, if you really call yourself a Christian, you won't wear one of those garments that's a mix of polyester and cotton, into which you say to them, listen, I don't wear polyester, so don't worry about that. No, that's not true. What they're missing the point is this, what God was doing with them is the point was, it was pictures of purity of faith. He didn't want his people to become what we call syncretists, syncretism, most popular religion, by the way, in Northwest New Jersey. Syncretism, maybe the most popular religion in our country. You say, what's syncretism? It's taking, let's just say, the historic Christian faith and mixing it with the religion, the local religion, the local deities, in their case, or the religion of the country or of the culture. I'll give you an example. Yesterday I met somebody, and they said, well, I'm Catholic. And I said, great, what does that mean to you? They, go, they said, well, it means I go to Catholic church. I go, really, and tell me what you believe. And then what they told me they believe was mysticism. Really, it's just a whole different type of thing that's not being Roman Catholic. And so we did have a discussion about mixing these things together. That would be syncretism. God uses these examples because he doesn't want his people to be syncretists. Okay? Then he puts in Deuteronomy 22.10. That says, don't yoke an ox and a donkey together. An ox would be considered a clean animal, 
and a donkey would be considered an unclean animal. What is the point that God was making in the Old Testament that the Apostle Paul is making now is the idea is that the Christian and the unbeliever, we haven't defined them yet, the Christian and the unbeliever are a different breed. We're different people. Now, do not, do not leave here today and go call your non-Christian friends who are created in the image of God, donkeys. Please don't do that. Well, my pastor says I can. No, I'm saying don't do that. Rather, we need to think about and see what the Apostle Paul thinks of when he talks about unbelievers and not what we might think are unbelievers. Specifically, let's talk about what he labels as unbelievers in his two letters that we have to the Corinthians, so we know what's going on in Corinth. Generally, unbelievers are people who are against Jesus. I hate Jesus. I hate his people. I hate everything about it. Now, if that's one of your friends or if that's you, you're welcome here today. Honestly, you really are. But if I said to you, are you a believer? You would say no. So therefore, you are an unbeliever. No problem with that. Actually, the Bible would also say, and this is what's shocking to a lot of people, is that if you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, that you're an unbeliever. Meaning, if you say that you're going to go to heaven because you're a good person, that means you're trusting in yourself. Now, I'm not, oh, my pastor said I can be bad. No, I didn't say that either. But if you're trusting in yourself instead of Jesus, what makes someone a believer in the eyes of the Bible, therefore in the eyes of God, is you've put your trust in Jesus instead of yourself. Now, that's really what you get more so from 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, you get more false teachers, people teaching another gospel, tweaking it a little. Remember, we talked about them earlier study. We called them peddlers. The Bible calls them peddlers of God's word. And also, he'll talk about, in 2 Corinthians, he talks about phonies in the church, people who kind of, you know, they look like a duck and they walk like a duck, but they're not a duck, right? They know the lingo, but they're not following after the Lord. Now, here's a question we have to ask ourselves. Is he saying that we can't associate with Christians who believe differently than we do? Are we allowed to do that? And the answer to that question is, yes, we are. We are. If they believe the basics of the gospel, we can partner with a lot of different people. A number of us are going to a wedding in a Presbyterian church. So we're going to drive this and be like, oh my goodness. All right, yeah. And, and we're going to wait out in the parking lot because we are not going in. Now that puts me in a little bit of a difficult situation because I'm co-officiating the wedding. I'm doing the message. So I will be preaching on the evils of being a Presbyterian. No, I won't at all. No, I won't at all. Right? I'm going to gladly, with joy, take the stage with that other pastor, and he will do the wedding and the vows and all that kind of stuff, because it's the bride's home church, and he's from here, you know, and I will do the message, and we will serve together with joy. We are not a closed community. We welcome Christians of different types of beliefs on secondary issues. Important note, interfaith services. What about that? I don't think the Apostle Paul would attend one of those where everybody's kind of worshiping like everybody's God is the same even though everybody knows nobody believes that. 
I got invited to an interfaith service when we first got up here, and I said, well, what would you like me to do? They go, we'd like you to get up and just, you know, share for, for 10 minutes just some things, some positive things. I go, I don't share positive things. I'm a preacher of the gospel. I will talk about Jesus and tell people how to get to heaven. Hey, we'll call you if we need you. <laughs> I have, it's an annual event. I've never been invited back. I wonder why. But I do think he would gladly participate. Let's say if it was, hey, we want to talk about race relations in our area with different people of faith and, or maybe the sanctity of life or, or something that we share a commonality but not a worship service. Basically, I think he's saying here, avoid or do not get into relationships that are incompatible with your relationship with Jesus Christ. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Now, some of you say, oh, don't worry, Pastor Jim, I'm Christian. I read my Bible. I go to church. I pray. Listen, watch me. I'm going to throw some, a few shekels in the offering thing. I'm cool. That does not mean that you and I can be careless about our relationships and the influence they have on us. Now, young people, please listen to an old man. And by the way, I'm very thankful to pastor a church where there are young people. And a lot of them are not dragged here by their parents. They actually come on their own. Some of them drag their parents here. Please listen to this. Your friends, whether you see it or not, have an enormous influence on you. I have been involved working with young people for almost 25 years, and often parents will say to me, I'd like you to find out what's going on with my kid when they're not around me, and I will say, I don't need to talk to them. Let me meet their friends. Your friends, whether you want to believe it or not, have an enormous influence on you. Now, I know what happens to you. Your parents say stuff to you like, and I did it to my kids too, so please don't think I'm alone. Like, you have to be the influence on them. <laughs> You're trying to breathe. You're like, Mom, <laughs> they wrote graffiti on my locker, and you want me to be an influence on them? Are you kidding me? So I, I understand that, but the Lord wants the influence of himself to be more influential on you than the strong influence of your friends. Listen, you may be the best apple in the bunch, but what happens if you have a few good apples and you mix some rotten apples with them? Do the rotten ones become good? No, usually the good ones become rotten, so you must be so very, very careful. So what's the principle? Whether you're young or old, you have to ask yourself this. Is this relationship taking me away from Jesus? Is this relationship taking me away from my faith? And if the answer is yes, you're unequally yoked. You're unequally yoked. Ask yourself, is this, and what we're talking about here is what we call primary associations, people you are very, very close to. Ask yourself, is this primary association forming who I am, and is it inconsistent incompatible with being a follower of Jesus? Is this relationship taking me away from my identity, who I am as a Christian? And if it is, you're unequally yoked. 
Well, some of you are sitting there right now and saying, hmm, this is my chance to get rid of my husband. <laughs> Somebody said to me, why do you always pick on the guys? And my answer, well, listen well, grasshopper, all right? <laughs> I know where my bread's buttered, okay? So, so you know what that is. I, I, listen, I, I, I don't want to pick on my wife and think that it's, the problem is her. I know who the problem is. Well, so what about marriage? Well, that was an issue in, in the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 7, he talks a lot about it. There was apparently some widows that were there. Their husbands had died, and they wanted to know if they could get remarried. Probably some people going around go, oh, no, no, you're married. That's it. You can't get remarried. And he said, you can if you want, but only in the Lord. So what's the lesson if you are a Christian single? You only marry another Christian. Now, the person who says, well, I'm a Christian, and I'm married to someone who's not a Christian. What do I do? The Apostle Paul said, stay married. Stay married. And you said, wait a minute, but I'm not supposed to be unequally yoked. What's the deal with that? The command to stay married overrides your interpretation of what it means to be unequally yoked. Okay? So that's the basis for that. I'm not saying it's easy by any stretch of the imagination. What about unbelieving friends? Some of the young people are going, oh no, he's saying I can't have friends who aren't Christians. I can only hang out with people like Pastor Jim. Oh, that's a fate worse than death, right? So what about, un you didn't have to laugh at that. <laughs> what about unbelieving friends? Unbelieving friends. Well, Jesus had them. Jesus had them. But see, they never compromised Jesus' identity. Jesus never entered into an unholy alliance. His friends never dragged him into the world's identity where you just live for yourself. He lived for God. Jesus, fully God, fully man, and the man, Christ Jesus, the man, Jesus of Nazareth, lived for God. So here's the question. Would Jesus engage in our culture today if he lived here, or would he separate himself from it? Would he engage in meeting people, or would he say, you know what, i got to go off into a monastery, and i just got to isolate myself from people? Would Jesus engage our culture, or would he separate from the practices of our culture? Exactly. Exactly. He would engage people, but he would be careful of what the people were doing. The Bible says to have nothing to do with the deeds of the darkness. It doesn't say have nothing to do with the people of the darkness. Are unbelieving people welcomed at Calvary Chapel? That's an easy one if you've been here a long time because a lot of you came here and you were unbelieving people. Some people come in flat out, I'm not a believer. I'm like, great. Actually, I talked to a lady yesterday. She says, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a believer. And you probably won't like what I have to say about it. I go, I would actually love to hear what you have to say about it. Others of you came here and you thought you were a believer when you got here. And then the more we studied the Bible, you were like, I'm not a believer. So are unbelieving people welcomed at this church? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, you go, you keep going back to 1 Corinthians because we don't know exactly who he's classifying as an unbeliever here. 1 Corinthians 14 actually anticipates unbelieving people to walk into our church services. Now here's the funny thing, you go, I don't know man, those unbelieving people, they're kind of weird. Interesting warning that the Apostle Paul gives to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 14. He says, when they come in, don't you be weird. He tells the church people not to be weird. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There, you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow, verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through God's Word. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.